0: communityoxford.com, or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford Podcast. And all guys people said. So I shared with you last week that I really struggle with commitment. And so uh, I, I, I started... And uh, I made a commitment, and the commitment was this, I'm going to dive into God's Word every single day, and I'm going to start in Genesis, and wherever God wants to take me, that's where I'm going to go. And, and church, I want you to know something, today is the eighth day of January, later on today I'll get in the Word like I have the other seven days up to this point, point. and can I just say this to you, it is worth it. I, I don't think you heard me. It is worth it. Because what you realize is, is that when you hear God's voice, it's different than all the other voices in your life. And so as I found myself trying to make that commitment, I'll be honest with you as I can, because I think there is a, a, a very powerful thing in integrity, right? I love the Bible app because even times when I don't feel like I have enough time to read it myself, all I got to do is push play. And I can listen to the Word of God being read over me. And church, I just share that with you because what I want you to hear this morning is we're about to pick back up in Hebrews, okay? And I don't know if you remember this, back in November, okay, when Sean taught, I think it was November the 20th, all right? And on November the 20th, he taught on Hebrews chapter 4. Well, we're going to look at the, the book end of Hebrews chapter 4 this morning and then we're going to dive into Hebrews chapter 5. But this is how I know that God's Word never fails. And this is how I know God never fails. There is a high priest that will be mentioned in Hebrews chapter 5, and the only previous time that it was mentioned was in Genesis chapter 14. All right? And this particular high priest, and we'll get to it in just a minute, because I literally have to look at the name of the high priest and slow my thoughts down to be able to pronounce it, okay? But it is, he first comes on the scene, and the only place you see him anywhere else in the Bible besides Hebrews chapter 5 is Genesis chapter 14. Anybody want to have an idea where a brother landed yesterday morning in the book of Genesis? Genesis chapter 14. Because this is what I know, church, our God can't fail. I was gone to Houston two weeks ago. This past week, I had the privilege of going to Atlanta with our college students. But while I was on my way back from Houston, Lindsay, our college minister, reached out to me and said, Fish, this is the number of students that we have going. I am going. I realize they're college students, but I would feel more comfortable if we had another adult or staff person that would be willing to go. And just a little prerequisite here, they went to passion, all right? And if you don't understand what passion is, it's a, a movement that's been going on for the last 25 plus years of college students and 19 and 20-somethings gathering together for the glory and the fame of Jesus Christ. And let me just share something with you. The worship is off the chain. The teaching is off the chain. And so I just said to Lindsay, I said, Lindsay, let me, let me look at this and make sure I don't have something scheduled. So I called the two bosses in my life next to Jesus. I called Beth first and said, Beth, we, that's how you do that, men, okay? If you want to do something, you say, we have been invited, which we had been. Lindsay does not want me to go with her or Chad or anybody doesn't want me going as long as if Beth doesn't get to go because somebody's got to keep me in order, right? I said, we've been invited to go to Passion in Atlanta. And she goes, well, what about the boys? What about the boys? They're 17 and 18. They'll figure it out. She's teaching next generation class. Y'all, please don't tell her that I said her babies could fend for themselves, okay? And then I checked with Peggy and said, do we have anything on the schedule that week that I, that, that I couldn't reschedule? And it all worked out. I'm glad I went because can I just tell you something? Tuesday when we drove to Atlanta, Georgia, we were in a monsoon, a hurricane winds, water, tornadoes, you name it, and we couldn't stop because I don't know if you know how our system works, okay, at least what the weatherman says, that this particular one was moving from the west to the east, and if we'd have just stopped, we'd have had to catch back up with it. So, brother, I'm talking about dead locked on the steering wheel, okay, 15-passenger church van, all right? If you don't believe there's a Jesus, just go do that. And We get to go worship, and we get to just see God just absolutely show out, But on Wednesday night, Louis Giglio gets up to speak, and he's asking 18, 19-year-olds and early 20-somethings this question. He said, God is calling you to do something. You You don't know what God's calling you to do, but here's what I need you to understand. God needs you to say, yes, Lord. And a young man, he might be in this room. I can't see him if he is. One of our students that I've been praying for, sitting two people down from me, stands up and says, yes, Lord. And selfishly, church, I'm just grateful that I got to be there to witness it. I'm coming home on Thursday, and one of our church members reaches out to me, and she says, "Uh, Fish, I don't know if you know this or not, but my dad is dying. I said, sweetheart, I didn't know that. She said, is there any way possible you could go see him tomorrow? That was on Friday. I said, looked at my schedule. I said, yes, I'll do it. Let's go. Let's go make it happen. I go, and I sit down with him, and And I don't know if you've ever been around somebody that is dying. I know some of you have, but what happens is, is when you begin to face death, and I'm not, I don't know if you know this or not, church, we're all facing death. But when death is staring you in the face, you begin to question things that you might not necessarily question otherwise. This man is 78 years old. Uh, He served our country in Vietnam War. And I understand that there are much older people in this room and understand that that was more political. But can I tell you something? Those men and those women went to battle on behalf of this country, and I'm grateful for those men and women. And I told him, I'm glad I'm getting to meet with you today because I just want to say thank you. And he was just questioning some things. But I praise God that in 1964... At a campus crusade for Christ, retreat on the coast of Oregon, my friend Steve gave his life to Jesus, and that if God calls him home in the next day or the next hour or the next week or the next month because of God's faithfulness, hear me, church, God will do it again in his life because of his commitment to Jesus in 1974. Because he said yes, Lord, to Jesus Christ. You're saying, Fish, what does this have to do with Hebrews chapter 5? I'm glad you asked. Remember, we're not starting in Hebrews chapter 5. We're actually starting at the end of Hebrews chapter 4. Not because Sean didn't do a phenomenal job on Hebrews chapter 4, but it's been about two months, okay? And I don't want you to forget this part of it because it introduces the beginning of chapter 5. So Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, listen to God's word. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Check this verse out, church. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us or help in time of need. I want to stop there just for a second, and I want you to think about this, that too often if you're like me, you pray and you don't understand what prayer is giving you the privilege and the opportunity to do as a follower of Jesus. Because of prayer, and I am convinced that the reason God gave us prayer is He wanted us to have access to the Father. And I don't know about you, but so often, church, I pray, and when I pray, I just throw up these things of empty confessions, these empty thoughts, because I am not convinced of what I'm actually saying to God, and if I am not convinced and I am not believing that God can actually do what I'm asking Him to do, what do you think God's going to do? Most likely, if we don't have faith for God to answer our prayers, He's probably not going to answer them some of you are like cringing right now. I'm not that dumb, church. If God wants to answer it in spite of our faith, God will answer it. Can I get an amen? But can I just challenge you? Believe in the one to whom you are praying and watch how God begins to show out in your prayer life by answering the confessions that you are making because you actually believe that he can do what you're asking him to do. Now, I was not bragging when I said that I made it to the seventh day of my Bible devotion, okay? Because today is day eight. It is a Sunday. For most of you, that you think it's the only day of the week that I work, okay? And so therefore, I'm okay with that, but that's not 100% true. It might be partially true, but all I'm going to tell you is, is this. The wheels could fall off today, and I might fail in my Bible reading, but guess what? If I do fail, I will wake up tomorrow morning and I'll try it again because it is not necessarily about completing the plan. It is about getting alone with God in His Word because when you get alone in His Word, can I tell you something, church? Things happen. So the writer of Hebrews and I'm going to just go ahead and throw my hat in, all right? I mean, I've already done this several times. I might as well go ahead and throw it again. There is no true definition or no true um, clear identity of who wrote Hebrews, okay? But I'm going to throw my hat in on it and say that it most likely is Paul, all right, just because of the way that he writes. Now, if you want to argue about that I'm not in the business of arguing. I'm just saying, that's my opinion. You know what God thinks about my opinion? He don't care. And if you're new to community, go to the book of Revelation, at the end of the book of Revelation, and where there's a few blank pages or there's maybe like an index so that you can figure out what's in the rest of it to find something. Tell me if there's a first opinion, second opinions, or third opinions where he says you might write in what you want to say. Anybody got that in your Bible? If you do, you need a new one. But what the writer of Hebrews is saying is this. It's not like we've got a a Savior, we've got a high priest, we've got a God that doesn't know what it means to be us. We've got one that understands us. Let that sink in for a minute. I don't know if that messes you up, but that messes me up, Trey. God understands me are you serious? He understands me? Yes, he understands me, and he also understands you. Why? Because he made you and he made me for what? His glory. Let's look at this text and break it down just briefly. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus. By the way, just a reminder, Hebrews talks a lot about high priests. And for us who live in the South, the automatic first thing that we think about when we think about a priest is either the Catholic church or the, uh, the Episcopal church, and we think about someone who is the, 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 the person that is leading that congregation, and, and he's the one offering prayers, and he's the one that is offering communion and that kind of thing. And that is a great imagery of an earthly, heavenly priest, high priest, excuse me. But what there was in the Old Testament, and we'll see it here in chapter 4 and chapter 5, and then we're going to take a little break from high priest, but then when we get to chapter 7 through chapter seven through chapter 10, you're going to see high priest again. And the reason that the writer of Hebrews is using this high priest um, picture of who the high priest is, there is an importance there because he is writing to Hebrew believers. Most likely were a Jews who came to know Christ and they understand the, the Torah, they understand the sacrificial system, they understand the temple, they understand that someone had to go in and offer the sacrifice. They get all of that. But they can't get that Jesus has become their high priest. Sound familiar? because we're the exact same way. We are cool with Jesus when everything is going good. We are cool with Jesus as long as he responds the way we want him to respond. We are cool with Jesus as long as the waters don't get rough. We are cool with Jesus as long as we can see more than further than the hood of the vehicle that we're driving. We are good with Jesus as long as everything is comfortable. Church, I don't know if you know this or not, but undoubtedly you and I must not be reading the same Bible if you think God has called us to a comfortable life. So the writer of Hebrews is setting up right here. He's saying, check this out. You don't have a high priest. You don't have a Savior. You don't have a Messiah that doesn't understand you. He understands you because, check this out, church, he stepped out of heaven, came down to earth to give us the model and the example of what it looks like to be him. If you've heard me pray before, you've probably heard me pray something like this. In Jesus' name, the one I want to be like when I grow up. I got that from my good friend, J.D. Simpson, from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And the first time I heard him pray that, you know how we preachers are, we got to do our own thing. Like, we got to have our own wording. We have got to, like, we, we, we're trying to make a name for ourselves. I'm like, dude, I'm stealing that. Matter of fact, walked up to him after, first time I ever heard it, said, dude, I'm going to do that from now on. And he goes, cool. And the reason I do that is this. I'm not grown up yet. Some of you are like, really? We didn't know. I don't want to chase a squirrel, but I was sitting in this section right here yesterday at a basketball game. Is Adam in here? Okay, great. All right. So his basketball team's not very good. Okay. And, um, and, and I think by yelling and hollering, okay, that I might actually help what's going on on the court. I've been reminded by my 18-year-old it doesn't help a whole lot. Okay. Kai actually said to me after the game, my hair was all out to the side uh, because when I get really stressed, I start grabbing my hair and I start pulling on it, and and I'm not gonna go into the details of it, but we won, okay, and and it was it was a cool thing for the players and for the coaches and 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 because these kids have been so close, but. There was a church member sitting in front of us with her daughter, and and I don't know if if the other girl was her daughter as well. I think it was a friend of her daughter's friend. And I just leaned down before the game ever stopped, and I said, I pray that you will not judge me as your pastor. Uh, and how I cheer at this game and church if you're visiting with us today I don't want you to think that I'm yelling derogatory things at the opposing players or I'm telling the the referee that he can't well I might tell him that he has a visual issue but but the point that I'm making is is that 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 I just wanted to make sure that they knew that that I was that that it was going to be okay and she turned around, the little girl turned around, and she was talking to my wife, and they were talking about the church clap song that they have learned on Wednesday night at, Next, at Mission Kids. And, and, and she just simply looked at this little girl, Beth, did and said, he's loud, isn't he? And she said, no, ma'am, he's very loud. <laughs> church, I've realized it doesn't matter how loud my prayers are. It doesn't matter how loud I yell at God. God's only going to answer our prayers, and truly, un- we're only truly going to understand how prayer works if we'll just spend time talking to Him. But can I tell you some church, it's okay to yell at Him sometimes, because I don't know if you've seen it or not, sometimes He yells back. But sometimes it's even okay to whisper. And the reason we can do that is the writer of Hebrews chapter 4 says, "Since so we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. I go back to 1964 with my friend Steve. In 1964, you know what he did, church? He made a confession that Jesus Christ was Lord. But through his life, through serving in in law enforcement and and serving in a lot of different things, he saw some bad things, he said some bad things, he did some bad things, and he was just questioning, man, am I going to be okay? And I just simply looked at Mr. Steve, and I said, Mr. Steve, I said, do you feel like you and Jesus are good? He said, "I I have felt since 1964 on the coast of Oregon at the Campus Crusade for Life retreat that I am good with Jesus. I said, Mr. Steve, let me tell you something. Whenever it is, it might be today, it might be next week, it might be next month, I said, Mr. Steve, you might outlive me i said but when jesus comes and gets you buddy and he takes you by the hand it will be because of your confession in jesus that gets you in not how you lived your life aren't you grateful for that today but it goes on and says this so let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin do you get that? That Jesus stepped out of heaven, came to earth, lived 33 years of his life to give us an example of how we're supposed to do it. But we'll listen to every other voice in our life but Jesus, but we should be seeing Jesus as the model and the example of the one we want to be like when we grow up. Can I get an amen? I shouldn't have to ask for amen right there. Because he sympathized with us. He knows us. He understands our weakness. He was tempted in every way, but yet without sin. Look at verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. It is not about your passion or your emotion that's in your prayers that determines if your prayers will be answered. It is in the fact, are you confident in that which you are asking that the God in which you are asking it from can actually do what you are asking. It says, let us draw near to the throne of grace. I just love that imagery there in Hebrews. You know why? Because the throne of grace means we're drawing near to a throne. We're going to get what we don't deserve. But church, every once in a while when God does give us what we deserve, we automatically pout we poke our lip out and we get upset about it and we're mad about it and we're frustrated about it get over yourself fish in case you missed that i didn't call you out in that i called me out in that but as daddy used to say and i didn't understand this but i'm going to repeat it anyway if the shoe fit fit son you might as well wear it some of you'll figure that out about lunch this afternoon or you won't That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Church, I don't know if there's ever been a 24-hour period day in my life that I didn't need help in my time of need because of my stupidity. But continue with me in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 1. This is so cool because so often we think Jesus appointed himself. Like, I don't know what goes on in heaven, all right? I understand there's this big throne room, and there's these creatures, and there's a whole lot going on, and we ain't got time to get into that right now, okay? But there's a whole lot of worship showing out up there. I don't think Jesus one day in the heavenly realm said, you know, there's no earth down. There. I mean, you've created earth. They Man, they, they have screwed it up. Won't you let me go down there? I'll fix it. And you know the reason we think that way, Right? We'll be driving down the road. We'll see somebody doing something, or we'll be in church and we'll see how leadership's doing something, or we'll see somebody up here singing, and we think we can do it better, or, or we'll see youth ministry or college ministry, or we'll see some church or this church doing this, or or we'll talk about this politician, or we'll talk about this leader, and and don't get me started on coaching, okay? Anybody can sit in a recliner at home and, and talk about uh, how to coach, or let's not even start about refereeing, okay? And and look, my my, my encouraging uh, advice and encouragement to those refs is just to remind them that they're probably not getting paid enough okay but we all got an opinion right but what we see here in hebrews chapter 5 verse 1 is this for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to god to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins the reason the writer of hebrews is explaining this he's saying check this out you know what a high priest is supposed to do He's got a job. He's got a responsibility. And he is to what? He is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Look at verse 2. He can deal gently with them, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Beset is another word for failed. He understands what failure looks like because he is a failure. That is an earthly high priest. Look at verse 3, because of this, he is obligated to offer a sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people, just as he, is, as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was, and the reference there was Aaron was the first high priest. We don't have time to look at that, but wait, if, you, if you remember when we went through the, 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 the series on Exodus, you saw where Aaron was appointed as the first high priest, so also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. That is referenced in Psalm 110 verse 4. If you remember when we went through Psalms, we looked at that. And then, were, I mean, excuse me, Psalm 2 verse 7. In just a second, we're going to see another one, verse 6, when it says, he says also to another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That's that word, Okay. So I misspoke. It was in Genesis chapter 14 and also in Psalm 110. But he's saying, he says, also in another place you are the priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So in Psalm 92, or Psalm 2 verse 7, oh, by the way, three days ago as I'm reading through my Bible plan, guess what was a part of my Bible plan? Psalm chapter 2. Can't make this stuff up. I'm too dumb to figure that out. God says, watch this, son, I'll give it to you anyway. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You just want to admit it. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. He says, So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Most theologians and most commentaries believe Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, as well as Psalm 110, verse 4 that goes on and says, As he also, in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Here's what I want you to see here. Most theologians and most commentaries believe that those two Psalms, 2 and 110, are this prediction of Christ to come. And I love it when people say the Old Testament does not point to Jesus. You and I must not be reading the same exact Old Testament because you know those books, those 39 books in the Old Testament have one agenda. He is coming. He is coming. He is coming. Did you hear me? He is coming. But keep reading with me. Look at verse 6 or verse 7 in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. You don't have time to look at this, but if you need a Bible reading for this afternoon, go read John chapter 17. It is called the high priestly prayer. Jesus knows that he is about to accomplish what he has been sent to do. He knows that he is about to die, but he simply says this, Jesus, if it, if God, if there is any way possible, will you take this cup from me? And the word says that he literally wept. Church, I don't know if you know this or not, but you need to go read John chapter 17 because Jesus is not only praying for the current disciples in the Bible time of the New Testament, guess what? But he's also praying for those, this is what the Scripture says, for those that will come after them. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you've had some cool people pray for you, just imagine Billy Graham prayed for you. That'd be kind of cool, right? guy that I really like is a guy named Tony Evans. Like, It'd be really cool if I got to hang out with Tony Evans and he just prayed over me. That'd be really cool. Louis Giglio's another guy, a guy named David Platt. I mean, I, I could keep going if you want to. All right, I got some ladies in my life, like, you know, um, like unbelievable women of God. It'd be really cool to just have them pray over me. But church, can I tell you something? That fails in comparison to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords praying for you. So when it says in this text in verse 7, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Look at verse 8. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated, look at verse 10 being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And church, can I just tell you something? There's so much to unpack there, and we don't have time to unpack that. Because priests come from a certain tribe, and they in the wrong tribe. But as the band makes their way back up this morning, church, aren't you grateful that when Jesus stepped out of heaven and he came down to earth and he stood in the gap as our high priest, it was no longer about the sacrifices that we would bring for our sins. The sacrifice himself came to bring the sacrifice for all sins. And how quickly, church, do we just skim over that? How quickly do we just look at that and go, well, that's kind of a big deal, isn't it? No, as I like to say around these parts, that is a big honking deal. But how quickly do we just skim over 7 through 10? It says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. Meaning, guess what? At any moment, Jesus could have said, God, I can't do this. Come get me. But he endured. Why? Because of you and because of me. Church, why should we endure? Why should we stay the course? Keep reading with me again in verse 8. It says, although he was the son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. I love that verse there because guess what, church? We learn more through our suffering than we do in our happy places. Have you ever noticed that? You look at people who have unbelievable faith. Man, life was not easy for them, was it? And you're like, man, I want that. Do you really? I want to have their kind of faith. Are you sure about that one? Because church, when you suffer, can I share something with you? You realize that in your suffering, God is the one who provides what? Grace upon grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy upon mercy, love upon love upon love. Why? Because he's not a high priest that doesn't understand us. He's been tempted in every way, but yet did not what? Sin. How you doing with that? I'll be honest with you. I blow it every day. I mess it up every day. But aren't you grateful that we're not about the old sacrificial system? That Christ didn't just die for the sins of today. He didn't just die for the sins of yesterday. He died for the sins of the future and the future and the future. And when he died, he died once and for all. And for all, he what? Died. So it goes on and says this in verse 9. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. It's a small word, four letters, O-B-E-Y. He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. I can't tell you how good Friday was for me. As I sat in the home of Mr. Steve's house and we just talked about his life and he started sharing with me He started sharing with me about this idea that he just couldn't get past the fact of how God could forgive him. He said, man, I know I gave my life to Jesus. He said, but I call myself Doubting Thomas today. And I looked at Mr. Steve, and I said, Mr. Steve, I don't know of a believer that's ever given their life to Christ that hasn't been doubting Thomas somewhere along the way. And I don't know who I learned this from big, but somebody taught me this several years back. You know, you can't doubt something you don't believe. And I looked at Mr. Steve in the face, and I just simply said, Brother... I'm glad you're doubting because in your doubt, you know what it does, church? It causes you to run to the source of that which you put your faith in. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of us just gathering. Because I don't know if you know this or not, if COVID taught us anything, you can gather in your house. Like literally, you can gather with people all over the place. There are people gathering with us right now online. It's not the same but you can do that if you want to. But would we become a people, church, that would actually obey what God said? Because out of obedience, look look, look at what this verse says. It says, and being made perfect and becoming the source of eternal salvation and all who obey Him. Meaning, the only way we can have salvation is we've got to obey His command and His command is this, turn from your sins and turn to him because the sacrifice church that you and I bring is but like filthy rags the prophet Isaiah says but the sacrifice that he brought sacrifice that he brought was perfect verse 11 says about this we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of your hearing. I literally wrote this in my Bible. I don't know who will get my Bible when I'm gone, but it says, this is hard teaching. About this, we have so much to say. It is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. The writer of Hebrews is saying to these people, he's saying, look... It, As much as you've already been taught, there is no reason someone else should not have to teach you. By this point, you should become teachers. But, church, you know the reason that we don't become teachers, the reason we don't take what we've learned is because of fear. The writer of Hebrews goes on and says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. We celebrate this morning with Mary Francis and John Youngblood on the birth of their little baby boy this week. And guess what? For several weeks and months, they will feed this child milk, and then eventually he will start eating softer foods, and then eventually he'll get to eat meat. I don't know if you know this or not, and I'm picking on this little boy for a reason because when a man gets to eat meat, some of you are like, I don't eat meat. I'll pray for you. But eventually, he's going to get to eat meat. And church, can I tell you something? The soft stuff is good. The milk is good. But when you get to eat meat, you get to get at the table. You get to get that knife in your hand. You get to get that fork in your hand. Man, I'm coveting this morning. I'm looking at one of my elders that actually is a cattle farmer, and I'm sitting there thinking, how awesome would that be? Walk out on that farm, see that big cat heifer out there. I'm like, mm-hmm, you and I are going to have a meeting before long. The writer of Hebrews is saying, look, you're so content to just drink milk. You're so content to stay on the bottle. And God has given you much more to be satisfied with. Churches, American believers, how dare we say, man, I don't know enough. I don't have enough. You got the word. Here's what's crazy. You got Google. Don't trust all that junk. You got YouTube of great teachers of sermons that we didn't don't even know this recorded. Just go search a few of them. And if you need some advice on where to search, man, there is such good teaching out there. But we are so content to just sit here and be babes in the faith instead of growing up and maturing. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying to the, Hebrew, the people that, that he's writing to, and the same thing he's saying to us today you've been called to something greater. Than milk. You've been you've been you've been invited to the feast. Come sit. There is a table prepared for you. There is a seat with your name on it. Come delight in the Lord, because He delights in you. In closing this morning, I want us to look at Philippians chapter two. And I realize I've preached over, but can I just share something with you? I don't care. If you need to go, go. Somebody be like, you're so mean. No, I'm not. I'm just blunt. You call it mean, I call it blunt. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul, not doing this on purpose, but in case you missed earlier what I said, I, look, I truly believe with all my heart. Paul wrote Hebrews. You're like, it doesn't say that. I get it doesn't say that. I can have my opinion. You don't have to like it. But Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 says this. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affliction, any affection, excuse me, and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full accord and of one mind, doing nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Having have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Did you see that? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That doesn't come without obedience. That does not come without you seeking him. But look at verse six. It says, Who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. By the way, church, remember in Hebrews chapter five, it says that a high priest doesn't choose himself. He's called by God. God called Jesus the same way he's calling you and I. He's asking us to humble ourselves. He's asking us to understand that he, Jesus, was the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But look at verse 7, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by uh, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And verse 11 says, and every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's what I want you to see, church. You can either obey now or you can obey later. But it is with much wisdom and encouragement that I challenge you to obey today because if you have to obey later, oh, you're going to bow, and you're going to confess, but you will not experience eternal salvation if you have to bow and confess after death. And then look at these next verses, and then we're done. Therefore, my beloved, Paul says, as you've always obeyed, there's that word again, but now there's an ed on the end of it. Paul saying therefore my beloved as you've always obeyed so now not only in my presence but much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, good luck with that one, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine his lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that the day of Christ I may be proud that I do not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of our faith." I am glad to rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So here's the imagery and we're done. God had a plan. He had a system. You bring this dove, you bring This grain, you bring this animal, you bring this, you bring this, you bring this. Church, here's what's crazy. It all had to be done in perfection. And since the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, there ain't nothing perfect about any of us. So guess what? It failed and it failed and it failed. You know why it failed? Because of us. But the great high priest chosen by God himself, God the Father, Chose the Son to step out of heaven and come to earth and to stand in mine and your gap. And today he is interceding on our behalf for the salvation of your souls. I want to ask you one question. If you were to die today, on a scale from one to ten, one being least likely, ten being most likely. Where do you think you would spend eternity? How how, how confident are? You, excuse me. How confident are you, on a scale of one to ten, that if you died today, you go to heaven? Because you have a high priest who knows what you're going through, and he wants to meet you here today. So you're confidence level in a one or two not even a five or a six not even a seven or eight he wants it to be a 10 because of what he's done for you and what he's done for me will you pray with me father i guess i had too much to say and not enough time to say it praise god there's always next sunday and God, I beg you this morning in Jesus' name that if there's any unwholesome thing that came out of my mouth or came off my lips that did not honor you, God would you let them forget it? God may it be as if I didn't even say it. But God, there's somebody here today. There might be several people here today that are so confused, they don't have a clue who you are. But they have gone through the motions. They have showed up at the right place with the right people, at least they think. And they've missed you. God, thank you for the sacrifice that you, our high priest, made for us on our behalf so that we might be seen as right before your Father's eyes. God, I ask you right now through the stirring of your Holy Spirit, that you would move not only in non-believers' lives, but also in believers' lives and remind us of how lacking we are in our obedience. And may we return to you this morning with full confession of just simply saying, yes, Lord. We don't know what we're saying yes to, but we know we're saying yes to you. God, these are your moments. This is your church. These are your people. Do what you do in Jesus' name. And look at me, church. I know it was really hard when you were in the bleachers to come to the altar because you just kind of felt like, man, that, that, that's a long walk. And for you back row Baptists is back there. I see you back there, Brian Rhodes, one of our elders, giving a great example of where you're supposed to sit on the very back row, okay? Totally kidding. If I could sit in the back, I would too, okay? I'm just jealous. It might look like a far... Distance between me or you and this altar. But check this out: if Christ is moving in your life, the Holy Spirit is stirring in your heart. That distance fails in comparison of the distance of a distance of eternity that you will be separated from Christ because of your lack of obedience. You might be going, preacher, that's a little deep, right? Oh, it was meant to be. Because don't allow yourself to be separated because of disobedience if the heart is stirred obey and come you just need to pray pray you want to pray if you want to pray about it let's pray about it if you want to give your life to jesus now is the time they're going to lead we're going to respond stand at your feet Will you My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. Until then, God bless.